Hey, Sarah here. Summer is fast approaching, and here's what I propose. A relaxed and simple summer that offers just enough structure to keep those long, sticky days from melting into chaos, and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. Also, fairy tales. Lots of fairy tales. (laughs) I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer, and I would love for you to join me. Save your free seat at the workshop by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. See you there. If you have little people in your house, then you likely have some unique challenges when it comes to building read-alouds into your daily routine. It's tricky, especially for those of us with a house full of big kids and little kids, to realize that those little ones aren't really getting in the way. The little ones are showing us the way. I'm Sarah McKenzie, and in this episode 35 of the Read Aloud Revival, we're going to tackle strategies for reading aloud when there are lots of little folks mucking about. You're listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that inspires you to build your family culture around books. Hey, 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 Sarah McKenzie here. This is episode 35 of the Read Aloud Revival. So glad you're here. This is the podcast that helps you help your children fall in love with reading and help you build your entire family culture around books. I've been meaning to tell you about this, but I keep forgetting. You can grab the first three chapters of my book, Teaching from Rest, A Homeschooler's Guide to Unshakable Peace, absolutely free by going to teachingfromrest.com. I can't believe I haven't really talked about my book on the podcast before, but somebody brought that to my attention and it's true, I haven't. But I'll be traveling all over the country this year talking about restful teaching and restful learning, about finding our purpose and passion and peace in our homeschool. And this book is really the heartbeat of all of that. So head to teachingfromrest.com and grab the first three chapters, especially if you are a homeschooling mom who is feeling a bit frayed around the edges by this time in the school year. I understand. I am right there with you. (laughs) I think the first couple chapters of my book will speak to you. So go get those. That's teachingfromrest.com. Now I've got a little something exciting to announce. We are offering for a very limited time gift subscriptions to the Read Aloud Revival membership. I don't know about you, but I get really tired of all the stuff that finds its way into my house each year at Christmas. It feels draining to me, kind of opposed to what the season really stands for. So if you'd like an idea for a great gift for grandparents to give your family, or if you have a friend who would be blessed to get the tools and resources, encouragement and community we have bubbling over at the Read Aloud Revival membership, consider a gift certificate. They'll be available for a limited time only. So head to readaloudrevival.com and find the brand new gift button to learn more. We've got a great lineup of author events, master classes, and some cool exclusive challenges. We'll be doing a read aloud challenge for kids this winter. You know those summer reading programs that get your kids excited to read in the summer? Yeah, we're turning that on its head a bit at the Read Aloud Revival, and we're having a winter read aloud challenge. The kids who read the most to their siblings or friends or pets or whoever, they're going to win some pretty sweet prizes. 
So there's things like that. There are tons of author events happening in membership next year with some of your very favorite authors. I cannot wait to announce the lineup there. And then as icing on the cake, there will be oodles of top-notch masterclasses for you, the parent, as well as a community you'll just fall in love with as soon as you tap into it. That, I'll guarantee, is basically a great gift for the whole family. And we have some different gift options available. So head to readaloudrevival.com and look for the gift button to check that out. Okay, let's talk about this reading with little kids business. It's tricky, right? I have six kids, three big kids who are 14, 12, and 10, and three little ones who are three and two. The twins are two. Yes, two-year-old twins, so pray for me. (laughs) Basically, when I started thinking about what it's like to teach you know, or to read with little kids in the house, I decided that I run into two really main challenges when it comes to that. The first is reading to the little people themselves in a way that doesn't make me want to pull my hair out. (laughs) The second is reading to my big kids without letting the little ones take over and, you know, destroy the house and basically self-destruct while I'm distracted with the big kids. So I've got about 10 or so ideas for you today that address those two main challenges, reading with littles and reading with bigs when there are littles running amok. So if you are struggling with either of these, hang with us on this episode of the podcast because I've got something in here that's likely to work for you. So first, let's talk all about reading with your little ones. That's tricky. Actually, for a lot of us, it's second nature. We read aloud to our little kids because they can't read for themselves, and we know it's good for them to read to them. So the tricky part about reading with little ones, I think is recognizing that you're successful even when it doesn't necessarily look like it. So I've got a couple things I wanted to mention in respect to that. If you haven't heard episode 19 of the podcast, I interviewed the writers Aslan's Library. This was an absolute favorite episode. Haley and Sarah came on and told us really good book recommendations for toddlers, some great ideas for how to engage your children, your little little ones with books. So if you haven't heard episode 19, you want to go do that. You can just go to readaloudrevival.com and look for episode 19. One of the things the lady said on that episode was that we really want to make sure when we're reading with our little children that we respect them as people, you know, respect our child as a person. That sounds like such a silly thing to say. Charlotte Mason said, children are born persons. We kind of roll our eyes at that today. Like, why would anybody need to make that clear? But actually, there's a lot of periods in history where we need to make that clear. I would say, especially now, actually, (laughs) we need to make it clear that children are born persons and they deserve our respect. And one of the ways that we can respect that humanity in our children, that image of God that they are, is to nurture their natural affinity for good quality books. I really think that young children have a natural affinity for good quality books. We kind of tend to junk it up a bit with our, you know, crummy book selections. The library doesn't help sometimes if it has crummy book selections on the shelf. The bookstore doesn't help sometimes if it has crummy books on the shelf. And we kind of, you know, give them lots of television shows or whatever, and they get into the habit of reading books about Dora or the Disney princesses or something. And that taints their natural affinity for good quality books. But I think for most, I think most of us would probably agree. 
I could be wrong. So tell me in the comments if I'm wrong. <laughs> I would love to hear your, your, uh, your ideas here. But I really think that young children do have a natural good taste for really beautiful language and beautiful illustrations and a well-told story. And we can remember that good books are stories that parents love to read and that children love to listen to. So if you're reading a book that is painful to read, maybe it's not the best quality book. Maybe you could find something better. Maybe it's just not one that you really like, but your child's probably going to pick up on your feeling like it's a slog to read through it. So it'd be a good idea to find books that you like to read because your children will like to listen to it if you like to read it, especially kids under five. They're going to like any book that you're enthusiastically telling, uh, reading, you know, any story that you're enthusiastically telling. They're going to pick up on your passion or your interest or your enthusiasm when you're reading. And so find books that you really love to read. I'll give you a few ideas of books that I really like to read. And I probably have different tastes than you do. I would recommend that you do go to the show notes for episode 19. That's at readaloudrevival.com. Click on episode 19 because... Haley and Sarah gave a ton of excellent book recommendations, and you'll find something new probably there or something on your shelf that you haven't picked up in a while, and you'll go, oh, that's right. That is a really great book. So we all have a bit different taste, but some of the books I like reading to my toddlers are Dear Zoo. That book is a standard. Actually, ours is all ripped up and tattered. I've had to tape it a million times because my kids love to open the flaps. They just adore that book. That's a board book. Anything at all by Sandra Boynton. I mean, those are just standard, right? Those are absolute necessities. Goodnight Gorilla or anything by Peggy Rathman is pretty great. But Goodnight Gorilla is a particular favorite of ours. It's a wordless book and it will make you roll with laughter. So funny. I guess it's not completely wordless, but it's mostly wordless and it's pretty great. Wonderful illustrations. My kids have all liked the spot books a whole lot by Eric Hill. So those are good lift the flap type books. And then other board books. I really like Leslie Patricelli. Um, Not everybody loves her work. (laughs) I love them. She wrote Yummy Yucky, No No, Yes Yes, Quiet Loud, Baby Happy, Baby Sad. We have almost all of them. And (laughs) we read them all the time. I think they're hilarious. Um, Not everybody agrees with me. But if you have a similar sense of humor to me, you may just enjoy reading those. Okay. So outside of maybe the totally bored book stage, but in picture books for really young kids, um, anything by Eric Carle, especially The Very Hungry Caterpillar, of course. Anything by Nancy Shaw. She wrote Sheep in a Jeep and then a whole series of books that are about the sheep that were in the Jeep. Sheep Out to Eat, Sheep in a Shop, Sheep Take a Hike. Those are the ones I can remember off the top of my head. (laughs) Those are really great. Little Blue Truck is another one by Alice Shirtle. That's a really great, that's a board book actually. And my little ones love that one. More classic books might be something like The Snowy Day by Ezra Jack Keats. That was my three-year-old's favorite book last winter. I think I read it approximately 493 times. Not that I was counting, but it was one of those books that was enjoyable enough that it didn't feel like, oh my gosh, I can't read this book again. We also really like Mr. Gumpy books by John Burningham. Mr. Gumpy's Outing is my favorite one. But then there's Mr. Gumpy's Motor Car. That's another really funny one. Oh, I know what I was going to tell you about. Are You My Mother by P.D. Eastman. Most people probably know that one. Caps for Sale by a name I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Caps for Sale might be one of my all-time favorite picture books. It is 
extremely well written. Okay, so now that I'm ro- rolling out all these book ideas, and I forgot to tell you, we have all these in the show notes. So if you if you're frantically trying to write some of these down, don't do that. You'll drive yourself crazy. Just go to readaloudrevival.com. Look for episode 35. We've collected them all for you there. If you're a Read Aloud Revival member, of course, you can grab the printable version in membership, which is super great because you can tuck it into your purse or your diaper bag or whatever and you know have it when you're out and about. But the show notes are easy clicks. Head there and you'll be able to grab all of these so you don't have to try and remember them. I actually wrote a post on the, my very favorite board books. And so we'll link to that in the show notes as well. And you'll be able to see some others. So the... Oh, some other uh, really good ones are fairy tale, any fairy tales or fables. I guess they're mostly fables written by, retold by Paul Galdone. Those are my very favorite fable uh, series. Really enjoy those. And then we're also big Eve Bunting fans. In October, I think I read The Pumpkin Fair every single night <laughs> to my three-year-old. And then in November, A Turkey for Thanksgiving is, you know, a big win. So she has a lot of picture books. Those are just a couple of our favorites. So Definitely read books that you enjoy reading. That's the bottom line. So, you know, hopefully something I said in there is is a book that you would enjoy reading. When you go to the library, don't just pick up whatever they have facing out on the shelf, but take a good book list with you. Either, you know, grab the list that we'll have in the show notes to this episode or grab your copy of Honey for a Child's Heart by Gladys Hunt or some other book list that you can rely on and use it to pick really good picture books because Picture books and board books, you're going to be reading over and over and over, and you really want to enjoy those. And I really think that the way you feel about reading with your toddlers, they pick up on it and they feed off of that. And so it's really, really important. So we just want to remember to respect them as a person, respect each of our children as a person and their natural affinity for good quality books needs nurturing. And we can do that by reading books that we like to read and that they like to listen to. The other thing I would suggest is that we remember that good taste in books is developed over time. So when your child finds that Dora book at the library or the bookstore or because grandma gave it to them for their birthday and they want you to read it a million times, that's okay. (laughs) Our children are not born with all of their loves in order. That's one of our most important jobs as parents and educators is to help them order their loves. If your child just tends to pick up the kind of silly books that you can't stand to read, maybe make them a little less available in your home. That's what I do. (laughs) And then just love your child where they are. Actually, this is a quote that I have up right in front of me because I wanted to remember it. I can't remember if it was Haley or if it was Sarah on episode 19, but one of them said, love your child where they are and know that they're going to grow to love books if you love books and if you love them. So keep that connection between joy and books. We'll get back to the show in just a minute. At the beginning of today's episode, I mentioned that what I propose for this summer is a relaxed and simple plan that offers just enough structure to keep your days from melting into chaos and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. And what summer wouldn't be much, much better with a whole bunch of fairy tales? Well, I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer And here's what we're going to talk about. First, how reading fairy tales can make your summer easier. Yes, easier. We want to take things off your plate this summer, not put more on, right? 
<laughs> fairy tales can make your summer easier and more fun. I'm also going to share the fairy tales I recommend for every age and the tippy top thing you can do to make sure your kids make delightful memories this summer. It is way less work and way less pressure than you think. The free workshop is happening live online on May 7th, 2024, and you can save your free seat by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. And yes, there's a replay, so make sure you register even if you can't join us live on May 7th. Again, text the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. Okay, so besides what to read with them and kind of nurturing that natural affinity for good quality books, just a very basic tactical strategy is to read with your littlest kids first. I have found that if I read, if I start our day by reading with the smallest kids first, you know, just a picture book or two or three even, before we start, I homeschool, so before we start our homeschool day, or before you just get busy doing other things and needing to tend your attention to other matters, then they feel a bit more filled up. You know, they feel like they got some of your attention. They don't feel quite so starved for mama love. So especially if you're going to be reading with your older kids, if you're a homeschooling family, you're likely going to be reading with your older kids at some point later on or needing to do math or teach writing or what any other number of million thousand things that you have to do that day. So read with your littlest children first to help fill up that love tank first thing. And I have found that if I read some picture books with my little kids, I can usually, they'll end up with kind of a stack of picture books around them on the floor. And then I can gather my bigger kids into the room and I can start reading our chapter book or our history book or whatever we're reading aloud together, our poetry or what have you. I can read that with them. And my little kids, now that they ha- I've been reading to them a little bit, they are just kind of distracted by looking at the pictures and they're feeling all filled up in their love tank. And I can read to my big kids without too much fuss from them, at least for a little while. It buys me at least 10 minutes, which, you know, with three toddlers, that's a win. I'm sure some of you can totally relate. So read with your little ones first and see if that doesn't help you. The other thing is to remember when you're reading with your little kids that they can do things with their hands, just like your big kids can. It does not affect, you know, doesn't hinder their ability to listen. In fact, a lot of research would say that it actually helps them listen better by doing something with their hands. But if your toddlers need to play with Play-Doh or some kind of manipulative, I don't know, pattern blocks or Univix cubes or something or coloring or, you know, cutting strips of paper or with dull toddler scissors, that is infinitely interesting to my three-year-old at the moment. If they need to eat a snack. In the summer, I love to give my toddlers a popsicle when I'm either reading to them or reading to the big kids because popsicles take 100 years to eat. So it buys me a whole bunch of time. But, you know, it's November. So unless you're one of our Australian listeners, I bet you are going to be giving popsicles to your kids. The rest of us over (laughs) in the Western Hemisphere are probably not going to be doing popsicles. But, you know, some kind of a snack, something they can do with their hands, something to keep their mouths busy is especially useful. So that's just a few ideas for reading with your little ones. second challenge I talked about at the beginning of this episode, the unique challenge of reading with big kids when there are little ones, maybe just one, maybe a handful mucking about. (laughs) 
That is basically the story of my life right now. Like I said, I have a 14, 12, and 10-year-old, and then I have a three-year-old and two-year-old twins. So half of my kids are really little. And when I want to be reading with my older kids, that can be really, really tricky. Finding a good time of day is difficult. In fact, based on the email I've gotten and the comments I see in the show notes, I know that this is a struggle for a lot of you as well. When you have a lot of a big wide span of ages, it's really tricky to figure out when are we going to read aloud at a time when it works for everyone. At this point in time, we're not reading aloud as much as I wish we were. You know, my ideals are definitely, we're not hitting those, but we are being creative to figure out when it will work for most of us. (laughs) So if we're going to attempt reading aloud when the littles are awake and up, then I will definitely try to read to them first so that they're filled up. And then oftentimes I take something out that might be part of, you know, a special read aloud box or a morning time box, a collection of toys or activities that they only get at that special time. These can be, you know, those chunky puzzles or some kind of special crayon like those roll-up crayons or glitter crayons or something. Or it can just be a couple special toys that they only get like those, I was just thinking of those, Safari limited tubes. You know what I'm talking about? We can link to them in the show notes. (laughs) I'm sure they have a better name than that that I can't think of, but that's what I'm thinking. Those safari limited tubes of little animals, something that your children, littlest children don't get to play with other times of day. And then you just pull it out right before you read aloud. That might buy you 10 or 15 minutes and 10 or 15 minutes of reading aloud with your big kids. That goes a long way, especially if you can manage it most days. So be creative. Naps is an obvious solution if your kids take naps. If your toddlers are like my toddlers and are doing nap anarchy, <laughs> then after you're done sobbing in the corner, get really creative. Right now, my three toddlers are not napping, no matter how much we try. So, or the extent of the attempts that you know we make, the hoops we jump through <laughs> to try to get them to fall asleep, it's not happening. So they actually go to bed at about 6.30 p.m., which seems ridiculously early to me, but it's really nice in some ways because, you know, at 7 p.m., I'm not that tired. If the babies are going to bed at 7.30 and, you know, I can't get to start reading aloud until 8 or 8.30, the chances that I'm going to fall asleep while I'm reading aloud or have a very difficult time keeping my eyes open are pretty good. So that's not great. If my babies are going to bed at 6 or 6.30, and I can start reading aloud by seven, we can get in a good 30 minutes before I start yawning and feeling like I can't, you know, possibly read anymore. Not always, but often. It'll be, you know, not so late. So we've done that. Maybe mealtime. It depends on how many toddlers you have. If you have one toddler and you can sit next to their high chair and you can read aloud to the older kids while one of the, when maybe one of the older kids is sitting there feeding the toddler with like slices of grapes or bananas or something, I don't know. That might work. I have three toddlers. I don't know. It's just, it never works in my house. I'm just going to be totally honest with you and say mealtime read alouds are a complete and utter disaster whenever we attempt them. But you're going to have to be creative. You're going to have to try reading aloud with your littlest up, even if it's not perfect, even if it gets noisy, even if every fourth paragraph you have to stop and take care of someone who's about to, you know, climb on top of the bookcase. You know, of course, if it's nice out, you could read aloud outside while they're playing near you. But if it's, you know, wintertime, that might not work so great. So my suggestion is to sort of let go of your ideals. I don't think this is just saying, okay, well, all of our standards are going to pot. We're not going to be able to read aloud. I think we still want to read aloud as much as possible. 
But we've got to remember that relationships trump accomplishments. Relationships trump accomplishments. Having harmony and peace in your home is more important than getting more read-alouds done. I promise. We've got to remember that those little ones, they're not thwarting our plans. They're not destroying this family culture we've been working so hard to build up. They are the plan. They are the family culture incarnated in their little pudgy bodies. (laughs) So if you have a season of fewer read-alouds because you have more people with little heartbeats and lots of high demands right in front of you that need you, that's the best use of your time. You know, the very best thing we can model for our kids in a family culture is to lovingly tend to the littlest among us. So in our house right now, that looks like not reading aloud as often or as much as I'd like to, but strategically making it happen most days, at least once or maybe twice a day. And we can do that by reading aloud in the evening, even if it's only 10 minutes before I absolutely cannot keep my eyes open. We can set aside a few toys they only get by you know, having a read aloud box or a morning time box, a box of special things they only get at read aloud time. You can use audiobooks. Use audiobooks. That counts. Somebody asked us inside the Read Aloud Revival forum recently, uh, what, you know, do audiobooks count or is that a total cop out? So if that's a question you have, you've got to listen to episode 14 with my friend Misty Winkler. We talk all about audiobooks. Now, Misty does not like reading aloud. And so the reason we were talking about audiobooks is because she just doesn't read aloud. Her husband reads aloud, but really she relies on audiobooks. And we talk in that episode about the importance of a child hearing beautiful language through their ear. That's one of the things Andrew Pudua from the Institute for Excellence in Writing taught me in episode one. It's something he often teaches is that it's very important for our children to get highly sophisticated and correct language patterns in through their ear. And that can happen by you reading aloud to them or through audiobooks. Audiobooks are not cheating. (laughs) So you can get an Audible subscription or you can grab audiobooks from the library. If you listen to episode 14, we have all kinds of ideas for how to use audiobooks in your home. And you're just going to have to use more of them if you have a lot of little people in your home. Because you can download an audiobook to an iPod for a child or set up a CD player in their room for an hour of rest time in the middle of the day or maybe they're coloring maps or playing with Legos and listening to an audiobook. It all counts. So use audiobooks. Now, this winter, we're going to do something pretty cool. I mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast. We're going to have a Read Aloud Winter Challenge. We're doing this inside Read Aloud Revival membership. And it's basically a spinoff of those summer reading programs that encourage our kids to read more books in the summer. I started thinking, how can we encourage our kids to read aloud more books? So we're doing it in the winter because, hello, all of us, we need to help with our cagey toddlers during the winter. And our kids get bored during the winter when they can't possibly go outside if it's extremely frigid, depending on where you live. Reading aloud is a perfect boredom buster. So even if you only have an only child, this is going to work for you. So here's the deal. They can read aloud to their siblings. They can read aloud to the dog or to their collection of stuffed rabbits or to grandma They can read aloud to a sick neighbor. They can read aloud to the toddler or to their older sibling. Anyway, the point is that the more they read aloud, the more points they will get. And we will have really great prizes for kids with a lot of points. So I'm hoping that we can really encourage kids to read aloud more this winter. And the greatest thing about that is that if you are having a hard time reading aloud to your kids, 
because you've got a million little people seemingly thwarting your plan, (laughs) then just shift gears and let your kids read aloud to each other. And we're going to help you by incentivizing that with a really awesome challenge and with some really sweet prizes. So we'll have more details on that soon. It's coming. Hang with us. We'll let you know after Christmas more details on the prizes and how you can turn in points and all that good stuff. It will be inside Read Aloud Revival membership. And if you don't know about our membership program, then boy, how do you want to. So head to readaloudrevival.com to find out more. You'll want to click on the Discover Membership link there. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. Hi, my name is Joe. I am 12 years old, and I live in Washington. And my favorite book would probably be Running Out of Time by Margaret Peterson Haddix. And um, I like it because it has lots of adventure and mystery. And the main character is Jessie, and she lives in an artificial world named Clifton but doesn't know it. And in that artificial world, it is in the 1800s. But outside the artificial world, it's 1998. So when a diphtheria strikes Clifton, she goes out into 1998 and seeks help from a doctor. And um, to tell you more would probably ruin the story for you. My name is Laura. I'm seven. I live in North Carolina. My favorite book Mommy reads to me is On the Edge of the Dark Sea of Darkness because it's so exciting. I also like Where the Sidewalk Ends because it's so funny. Hello, my name is Christopher Ferguson. I'm seven years old, and I live in Nairobi, Kenya. My favorite book is Green Ember because Pickett and Heather have a lot of adventures. My name is Micah, and I am six years old, and I come from Stillwater, Oklahoma. And my favorite book is Pippi Longstocking, and my favorite part is when Pippi plays tag with the policeman. Hi, my name is Elia Tyson. I live in northeastern Thailand, and I am 13 years old. My favorite book is Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. I really like it because Orson Scott Card can really make you feel what the characters are feeling and think what they're thinking. Kids, thank you. You know, I constantly get email from folks telling me how beautiful it is to hear the voices of kids all over the world telling us about the books that are having an impact on them. I happen to know that for one member of my team, it's her very, very, very favorite part is to listen to those kids. I couldn't agree more. I just love it when your kids call in to tell me their favorite books. So a sincere thank you is in order to all of you parents who help your kids do it and to all of you kids who take the time to leave me a message. If you haven't called in yet, ask your parents, pester your parents to let you do that. All you have to do is go to readaloudrevival.com. It's super easy and never ever worry about having to read your answer or if you stutter and mess up and you need to start over again, no problem. We can edit the messages for you. The biggest thing is I wanna know what you like to read. Don't forget to grab the first three chapters of Teaching From Rest, a homeschooler's guide to unshakable peace for free. You can do that at teachingfromrest.com. And we'll be back in two weeks. 
Next up is an episode all about Advent and Christmas reading. I'll have my friend Elizabeth Foss here with me. It's going to be an episode you won't want to miss. In the meantime, go build your family culture around books. Thank you.